Kobe, creator and host of Always Shine Brightly. I named this podcast Always Shine Brightly because I believe that is what we are each here to do. And in times where we feel we're not shining bright, I feel it's still our purpose to work through and shift whatever is dimming our light. In this podcast, I'm speaking with guests who I see as bright lights in the world despite any struggles they may have gone through. The more of us who do this, the better the world becomes. Join us on this shared mission to make the world a brighter place. Welcome back to Always Shine Brightly. I'm your host, Shanna Covey, and today I have a very special guest, one of my closest friends, Phyllis Krushak. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Shanna. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Something that I think has been amazing in my life, and I think you'll agree with it too, is that we have been so blessed to meet members of our Soul Tribe at a very early age. And you and I met in elementary school graduated high school together and have just like remained friends where we're lifers. Mm. You're a lifer. You're mm -hmm. stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> Big time ditto. <laughs> so I just feel extremely blessed to have had people like you put in my life and I'm so happy to have you on the podcast and to share your bright light, your bright wisdom with, um, with the world today. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. I think it's awesome that you're sharing your bright light and your bright wisdom with the world consistently. So this is an honor. Aww. Well, I know that over the years you have always been someone, like especially growing up, you were someone that I went to to help navigate like situations, emotional situations, different things like that. You always had so much wisdom and so much light to shine on those situations. And you were also so incredibly brilliant, smart, and intelligent. And you helped open my mind up in so many different ways with things that like maybe I didn't know I'd be interested in, but you were talking about it and all of a sudden it was interesting. And then you were willing to like go deeply with me into it and I would get to learn something new or have a new insight. And so I'm super excited to kind of like have conversations that we've been having for years here on the podcast and share it with others. So really the purpose of this podcast, it's called Always Shine Brightly and it's because I believe that's what we're all here to do. I believe like we're on a soul journey and we're here like even even if we feel like we're not shining bright, like because we're in like a low vibrational mood, really the goal is, is to clear up that mood so that we continue to shine bright. I think that we have so many like catalysts that occur in our lives that are meant to, to take us inward to our light so that it shines brighter. And so I'd be just curious to be, to jump into conversation around like kind of like some of the things that have been in your path that have helped to like to shape you and who you are and how you're shining in the world and how you're contributing through that shining. So something that I wanted to ask was this, that I remember just like so early on, like you are just so, you're obviously so bright and so intelligent and you're kind with your intelligence at an early age um, just in a different situation, I had been like kind of made, made, this is my fault for giving away your power when we were, we were young kids, but I'd given away my power around the idea that I was less than because I wasn't like in the gifted and talented class. And so, but in feeling that, like this was actually an adult who told me this. And so um, it felt like it was true because an adult, like they didn't say you're less than, they more like teased that I wasn't in. Mm -hmm. And um, and so kind of like any time we're going through life, it's like a, like a hot stove. If you touch it and you get burned, you don't want to touch it again. 
But for you, someone being so intelligent, you're like the stove that I came to and I didn't get burned by. <laughs> and so you're a, a totally a totally safe safe zone in that and that just like fed fed my heart, fed my mind, fed my soul in so many different ways. But I'm curious because I think like with Oliver, I think we're like shaped in so many different ways um, with the gifts that we're given. Like how do we use them? How do we learn from them? And something like with your, your gift of intelligence, like can you share a bit on like, like how, it, how it served you and maybe how it might have served as even a catalyst for certain types of growth as well? Sure. So some of what we've talked about in the past, um, and, and too, we talked about this, is like when you talk about a gift, um, how do you even talk about it? Because there's a certain amount of like you get embarrassed about it or that sort of thing. So um, in, in talking about that, as a kid, it yeah, I think especially where we grew up, there was a degree of feeling like you were special because you were in the GT program. Like people made you feel that way. But in terms of that gift, like most gifts, it's a challenging thing. And when you're a kid and you don't understand the world or understand emotions and you operate a certain way, like to me it was just the way that I would learn or the way that I would look at the world, I felt like I spoke a different language than the people in my life. And so it was very difficult early on to be asking questions and, and to be misunderstood or to not feel like I could relate to people because I was deemed a certain way or I was speaking a totally different language in some cases than the grown-ups in my life and you said that like how an adult has that kind of influence on you and in my family I was always told oh you're so smart and go do this there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that you need to grow up and be a doctor or be a lawyer or be you know like what, what somebody else would see as these ideas of what a smart person does. So it, it's navigating the world through that lens, and I think everybody has certain lenses, like you said, that grow them. Um, but but where it may have been viewed one way from the outside in, it, it was a catalyst for growth for me. So it, it was a matter of like figuring out how I think and view and frame the world and how everybody else does, and then being able to still make emotional connections and still understand what people are saying or, or find a different way of saying what I'm trying to say so that it could be understood or the right. questions could be answered. Yeah, to, to build a bridge. I, I kind of had, like, I didn't necessarily have this experience when I was younger, but one of the ways that my mind works very deeply now is regarding the spiritual path. And recently I was having a conversation with someone and one of the, the feedback that I got at the end of the conversation is that, Shannon, you're, like, you're very articulate, but sometimes it goes over my head. And like on one hand, it feels so good to feel that you're articulate. Like That did feel amazing. But on the other hand, I was like, oh my gosh, but I'm here to share information. And if it's going over people's head, how am I even creating that connection to create a service, like to be in service? Like it's if I'm the only one that understands it, then you're in isolation for one thing, and then you're not connecting to someone else in this way that could be of service. And so I'm guessing, like, as a small kid, there must have been, like, a bit of, like, a challenge of isolation around it as well. But you are also seem to be committed to building that bridge as, you know, and to me, if you're willing to build the bridge, you're utilizing your, your gift and service. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was because if not it is isolating and it is lonely so your choices are to be lonely or to figure out how to connect to people <laughs> and figure out how to talk to people um and and so then you just do um but but i think too there's a certain degree with any growth 
and know we've talked about this before, like because you've been down that path, you know what it feels like. So you would never want to make someone else feel misunderstood or less than, like, like to me, making that connection became paramount and you figure out the ways to do it and, and the barriers between the connection just need to be navigated. So like, you know, as a young kid it, talking to a grown up that may be misunderstood, there's a lot of different, like you might meet somebody who was very, kind and warm and loving who then would want to help you bridge that and build it and figure out the ways to communicate or you might meet someone who is intimidated and felt angry and they would try to make you feel less than or to try to make you feel like you're so you you had to kind of navigate the world on a different plane like like you can't take things at face value you don't know that when you're young yeah (laughs) so you just have the reactions and the emotions but then as you start to see the patterns develop between people responding certain ways to certain things consistently and then you can start to understand oh this person's coming from this space or this person's coming from this space and then you can navigate it make the connections decide which ones are not connections you even <laughs> right. have and and then move on from there so i mean i remember early on having a family member ask me to not use such big words cuz they couldn't understand me i didn't know i was using big words right. or to constantly be labeled as the smart kid I mean, to me, I'm just me. So I don't right. understand. I I still don't understand what people. How do people identify that in you? What, right. Is it the type of words you're using? Is it the type of so, like, really, there's a blind spot to any of those sorts of gifts. And and I think what you did when you were talking with your friend, and and were told, oh, you're over my head, you're above my head, you have to then go inward. Okay, so why am I receiving that feedback? Where could it be coming from? What can I do with it? And if I don't want to be that, what can I change in me? What can I... So I think that that's, that's how some of that can be a catalyst for growth as well, like paying attention to the feedback, understanding. I, I think it just comes from navigating and trying to understand and making sure that you're received or understood maybe in a way that you intend so that right. you don't misconnect or lose somebody along the way well what i think is pretty fascinating is that it doesn't look like the option to play small was really one you were considering it looks like you were just trying to build that bridge to help increase understanding like do you feel that uh, do you feel that there was ever like a a trying to play small i think that there were a lot of times always that you're like Kimmy and I, our mutual friend Kimmy, used to have a, a joke between us, like, okay, I'm done growing now, like, I'm, <laughs> because it's challenging to grow, and so there's there's a lot of times that you you do on a growth journey, and this is maybe true for a lot of people, I would say anyone on a growth journey, where you have those times of like, why am I even trying? What am I doing? And and yeah, it would be nice to just play small. It would be nice to just not have to grow, um, but but it's really not an option. Right. It doesn't serve you or, or anyone in the long run. You right. know, I feel like just from my perspective of coming from like a, the, seeing life as a spiritual journey, which this perspective is, you know, I didn't come from this perspective as a kid. It's something I came to like in the last, not even a decade, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like we are here to use our experiences to grow spiritually. And by growing spiritually, I simply mean by coming from these higher qualities that are available to us. So joy, inner peace, love, wisdom. Um, and I do use the term higher intelligence, which maybe is, is synonymous with wisdom. But I think that if we come from that framework of walking through life, using that as like our 
like the framework for where we're our goal, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you are willing to be like, okay, like what's in the way of that so that I can open up for those qualities to come through. But of course, as a kid and even like before coming to even thinking that that's a goal, you just want to be like heard, feel safe and be seen. So I'm sure like most of the times what I think or what I know happens is that we create these kind of like behavior, compensating behavior. So it's like, that's why I think people would play small in a situation where if you were made to feel isolated or outside of because, you know, you have a certain quality that's just so natural to you that people will end up like trying to change themselves to fit into a situation. So it's really cool that though that sense might have been there, I don't think that you ever could have done that because like you said, it was you. You don't really know any different. Mm -hmm. and so anyway, I just think that. I love that you are always kind with your intelligence. Like to me, it's like, I think that's the beautiful thing is that we all have these different gifts. And I also live by the belief that we have everything we need to do what we came here to do. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's out there like in some sort of comparison role of like, well, no, like me as a kid, like I wasn't in GT, so I felt less than, but ultimately I didn't need that to do what I came here to do. So when you really anchor in that you have everything you need or it will come to you through this inner resonance of I'm here for this reason, I'll be shown, I'll be guided then there's no reason to pick up these less than or you know these less than thoughts or to overcompensate by trying to assert yourself as you know the smartest one in the room or whatever it may be but so many people out there just even as adults don't know that or don't believe that about their about life <laughs> yeah. well and I think too to speak into that like for somebody who I think, especially as a kid, we're constantly in comparison mode, and that's why comparing is so toxic, right? And why it's so difficult. But like, I would have looked out my outside of myself and the challenges that came along with any gifts I was given, and still thought somebody else had it better because of this or this or this. Right. So I think it's easy to sort of connect to those things that you feel like you're less than, um, and just feel like maybe my journey would be easier, or maybe I would be something different um, if I just had that one gift. Yeah. But I also think that those gifts, like you said, like each of us has a unique path. And once you get a taste of those gifts, you, you can't play small. Because yeah. when we talked about before, like the idea of it not being satisfying. So even when you feel like this journey is difficult or it's hard and I kind of like, why am I even doing this and searching for the meaning behind it? You, you almost like you, you get to a space of like you just can't settle because it's not satisfying. Like right. maybe that's the easy path, but it's not really your path because growth is the only thing that satisfies at that point. I agree. And one of actually, one of the hardest things for me, like in my adult journey, was a sense of unfulfillment. So to go to try to stop a path because you know, like basically to leave yourself at a point of feeling unfulfilled, mm -hmm. like that was, that could not happen for me. Like mm -hmm. that was painful. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was, that was the, the something missing in my life, mm -hmm. <laughs> even though that's a thought that needs to be healed as well. But that was just like, I could not, you mm -hmm. know, I just a little background on me. It was like, when I first graduated college, I followed the whole, like, I'm going to get a good degree, go get a good job, do that whole thing. And that equals fulfillment. And when I got there, I was like, <laughs> this feels horrible. And mm -hmm. actually, and just to finish my story, but it reminds me of a similar story with you. But with me, it was just like, like you're not going to change anything that you don't perceive a better benefit through the change. Mm -hmm. And for me, like so many people stay in an environment that they don't enjoy, but it, they don't change it because the unfulfillment that maybe they're feeling is just not strong enough to warrant the change. But for me, it was so deeply dissatisfying. It was so 
a sense of apathy that I never felt before that that was painful and I had to just go forward like the thing that was inside of me of uh, whatever this desire whatever whatever's pulling you forward through the the plan of our souls like it, it just had to pull me forward and pull through that mm -hmm. but something I remember in your journey too is that when you graduated college you started you kind of you on the outside got a really cool job and it, it worked in that like that might have been the only desk job you ever had huh mm -hmm. what, what kind of what was that story and like how did you know that wasn't for me and what was that process like to leave that situation well I um my path, because since I was small, I was told I needed to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, I wanted to be an attorney, and I knew that since I was a kid. And, and I, I enjoyed things about that. I, I always had a penchant for debate. I liked public speaking. I liked the idea of advocating for somebody who needed an advocate um, and justice, like, mm -hmm. like seeking justice. So I had these really, like very philosophical notions of what this would look like and I thought that that was my path and my journey and when I graduated from college I took a break after school and decided rather than going into law school to try try my hand at just working and I became a legal assistant and it was it was at the state capitol building right yeah <laughs> it, it was absolutely not satisfying at all and I I was I was very um idealistic in what I thought the work would look like and what justice looked like. And I came across a lot of things in that path that were not meeting my ideals. Um, and in terms of functioning in the job, I mean, even just the day to day, I'd get all my work done by like 1030 and I'd just be sitting and <laughs> I would like go to my supervisor. Tapping your fingers yeah, on your desk. Like, what else do I do? And I mean, I had a person had to explain to me, no, you need to draw it out. And like, like just, they're office, like teaching like, you the corporate culture of exactly. waiting for five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> just make your work last because and and it was such a, a like I didn't fit into the culture I didn't fit into the and none of it met my ideals and I found it deeply dissatisfying because it was it, I mean it was very idealized in my mind um, but I, I don't think it was for me it wasn't my path and I struggled a lot like trying to figure out like is this really what I want to do and you constantly told my whole life and believing and buying into and feeling like this is what I'm supposed to do mm -hmm. so it's that notion and I think that that's where you met your struggle too mm -hmm. because you believed this is what I'm supposed to do you met the definition of the degree and the good job and stability and it wasn't enough you and right. that's not to say that that's not enough for others right but their growth path is different and and so for me that definitely wasn't enough for me I, I was deeply dissatisfied with that and I, I questioned me and my abilities and and then you question all the gifts that you've been given right like maybe I'm not smart enough for this I don't fit in here and did, like mm -hmm. I needed to run from that <laughs> like it wasn't. but like you bumping up against the situation not being meeting the idealism that lived in your head was enough to know that even going for that path in another form wasn't for you like that that block of the not resonating with what what the idealistic image was in your head was just like like how did you know like you're stepping out of it completely because you did step out of it completely i did i am um, i i mean i just found what i knew to be safe mm -hmm. and i i moved to safety and mm -hmm. so i think that that was like when I when I hid against it and met that struggle, it, there was such fear involved in it that I ran to safety and I continued with safety. And we talked about that to to a degree, like like 
the way that you articulated it was really nice. Basically, you keep going. I, I think I went down a lot of fearful paths before I found the path to love. And, and so that was one of those fearful paths to me that I didn't, I knew that's not where I wanted to be, but I didn't know, know exactly where I was meant to be. And so I, I went down a wrong path and I had to turn around and go back. And so I went back to like, what, what do we used to call it? Like when you play tag, like home base. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I went and touch base again and figured out my next move. Um, but, but that, that was a big part of my journey everywhere, not just in, in my work life, but in everything is I feel like I went down a lot of paths, searching for meaning, searching for that deeper truth, asking those bigger questions. And I would go down this path cause it seemed to hold everything that I thought it mm-hmm. should have that idealized situation. What was the ideal that you were thought you were looking for, or maybe are looking for? I, well, I think in general, it's always been what. I mean, I used to have a lot of questions about meaning. Like, what is the meaning of life? What are we even here to do? Because yes, I remember you Googled it. <laughs> I did. What is the meaning of life? And I used to, I, I really, like, even in school, like, when when I was in, I was in a lot of, like, pre-law type courses and took a pre-law path for my undergraduate degree in political science. And I remember gravitating towards the philosophy classes and really resonating with, like, these bigger, deeper questions of what is government for? What are we meant to do? Exploring different ways that people have interacted with each other, like anything psychology, spiritual, um, philosophical resonated with me. And so I think just personally, after graduating and butting up against a path that didn't feel right, I continued to search through those veins because those veins felt right. It, and so I think it was a question of meaning. And mm-hmm. and I, I, I looked for meaning everywhere. I looked for it in friends and family and in TV shows. I was going to say, it's hard for you to listen Um, to an artist or watch a TV show or a movie or anything if there's not a deeper meaning to grasp onto and have your mind grapple with. Yeah, it was always about meaning. And it it still is to a degree because I think too when you go down that wrong path and then you, you see that path isn't right for me. How did I react? How did I feel? What did I do? What was I searching for? What was I, and you immediately go into analyzing mode and you take, you take the bits of wisdom that can serve you and help you and move you forward. And then the other stuff that you can't figure out, you either have to make a choice, like leave that on the table or maybe visit it again a later time. And, and everything has meaning. I mean, that's the point of art, right? If someone is moved to something so that they create and and you try to discern how that impacts you. So it is everywhere. It is right. in TV. It's in good writing. It's in amazing art. It's in awesome music. So then how do you connect to that? And I think those were the times, especially early on when I was, you know, post-school trying to figure out the whole rest of my life <laughs> at 23 right. years old. It seems so daunting. It is. Because <laughs> there's not enough wisdom under the belt at that yeah. point. There's not enough to say, okay, this is... And you feel like you're grown up, right? Like you graduated college, you're out on your own, and so somehow you should have figured all of this out. And that's an extra layer on it, too. Right, like, the pressure. What's wrong with me that yes. I haven't figured my right. whole life out yet by 23? And now when I look back on it, I think... They're kids, (laughs) kids, like they, they couldn't possibly begin to figure everything out. But I felt like I needed to know, I needed to know why I was here, what I was here to do. And I, if I could figure all of that out, then I could just do it. I just needed a rule book. I needed answers. I needed guidance. And I looked everywhere I possibly could to find it. And what did you come to? 
Um, well, that's a big, so, <laughs> that's a big like, are you still um, in the search or did you start to make some sort of like, did you start to operate from a new philosophy? What, what yeah, kind of happened? I, well, I think it was along the way, like you, you mentioned earlier, we always used to talk about things and go to each other. That mm -hmm. was the safe space. So that's the big jumping off point, right? Like our group of friends, even if years later I could call someone and it would be a wee hours of the morning grappling with a question, right. why is this happening? What do I, and I would just ask what do you think how do you and we would get into these conversations where we could figure it out together so that was a good safety point like that's where it was okay to ask those questions and maybe everyone didn't have the answer but this is how you were navigating it mm -hmm. or that so I think along the way it was a lot of small steps and it was me getting I really had to get okay with like I can't figure out the big stuff I will drive myself crazy <laughs> figuring out the big stuff but I can I can follow the breadcrumbs along yeah. the path. And, and so that's what it was, is recognizing there's a path, understanding that I can't, I can't know all the things there are to know. You can't know everything. But if I, if I pay attention to nuance, if I take in and I'm open to all of, all of the bits and pieces that come through, be it through art or through friendship or through anything, you find it everywhere in family and in a puppy that you just met <laughs> who's super sweet and just wants to love. Um, but all of those things, if they resonate with you, you follow what resonates and you can quickly figure out what doesn't resonate and you have to be proactive about not following those paths anymore. And that's the, that's, that's youth, I think, yeah. is continuing <laughs> to follow those paths even when they don't resonate. Like you've got to get to a place where you figure it out and you put it together. And it's ultimately like a big tapestry, right? Like you, you can't see it because you're not big picture yet. You're mm -hmm. not outside of it. You're in it. So what are the threads that are consistent and what are the threads? So, I mean, in, it, it isn't a lot of philosophies. It isn't a lot of religions. It isn't a lot of, but I think, I think when your spiritual path really started to become so paramount in your life we started to resonate on a lot of those and ultimately it's love mm -hmm. and and you use the statement it's the balance between wisdom and love mm -hmm. and finding that like that would be the ultimate right and and the opposite of love is fear so not moving in fear not moving so you know what not to do yeah. anymore and you can recognize when you're doing it but it's still a path it's still growth I don't think I've come to this is the meaning of life. Right. Like I couldn't go back on Google and be like, here's where you were wrong. <laughs> You're going to put the answer out right. there. <laughs> here's the meaning of life. Yeah. Um, but, um, but you, you get to a place of comfort knowing that maybe ultimately it's not all for you to know. And maybe like there was, there was a pastor who once said like, you need to drop from your head to your heart, like go the three feet from your head to your heart. And so when I was young and I was trying to find meaning in that particular denomination or that particular religion even. It was a matter of like, okay, just give in. Stop overthinking it, stop analyzing it, stop poking holes in it and finding all the things wrong and just allow it to be. But then you get in that space of heart and you try to soften into it and relax in it and, and be cradled by it, but it's it doesn't actually fit. It doesn't cradle you properly because those those intellectual places that were nagging at you saying, this isn't right or treating people a certain way isn't right, or maybe some people are only here because it's safe for them, but that's not really a safe space for me. Yeah. Then you have to be able to 
measure the head and the heart. It's not just a matter of, of placating the head or putting putting your notions aside. Because I tried. I mean, <laughs> like <laughs> you, you try to find those safe spaces wherever you can, right? But I already had safe spaces, and I already knew what love looked like, and I already knew that that there could be a balance of wisdom and love. Because when I tried to just seek love and not balance it with wisdom, it didn't fit. So ultimately, I think that that what you're what you said in the way that you articulated that that balance um that that is ultimately what the meaning is and then it's finding ways to fit that in your life and be that in your and life express and, it yeah and and to be able to ultimately be of service right, right. to others <laughs> in that same sense and i think i think you're absolutely of service in all that you do i think that earlier you spoke to like you're interested in spirituality and psychology and in philosophy along with political science. And so maybe political science isn't at the forefront right now in the way you once thought it was, but I think all of those interests are showing up in the way that you have always been, um, not only a person that your friends come to, but in the workforce, you've been a boss since you were like 20. <laughs> you were like, since your first, like, not your first, I don't know, was Hastings your first job? Like no. since yeah, back- I, That was my college job. Right, so since no. working in college, I think you've been managing people since that time frame, and it's mm -hmm. been like 20 years of managing people, and you're, I've never managed people, by the way. <laughs> but I think that like what makes you like, you've been in a service role for all of those people because you understood emotions and you helped them to navigate them. Like your emotional IQ as well as your intellect is both so high. And I think that's what makes your intellect such a gift is your emotional IQ that is allowing you to apply it in a service way. And I think that every time you're showing up for all the different roles that you've had in, uh, in the different jobs where you've always been a boss and a leader and a strategist, you are working with people always, always working with people and always helping them to navigate life. And so I think that, that was, that's one of your huge services in, in this life and in your everyday life that you've been doing for a very long time. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, of course. And I think, like, I think it'll continue. And I think like, the more that we connect to where we're in service, the more it can blossom. Because I think so many people like go through their days not connecting the dots of where they're being of service. Like maybe in your situation, it was so natural for you to understand emotions and to help people in those types of ways that you might not have consciously connected it to service. But I hope that you do. And I hope that you see like, there's a huge ripple effect in that and all the people you've touched through that particular way. And just in like, who knows what that ripple effect is outside of the, the direct person you touched. Who knows how they started to show up for people in their lives, how they showed up ultimately as a parent or a friend or whatever it might, or a partner or whatever. Like, I just think there's just huge ripple effects that are always going on. And to go back a little bit about what you're saying about like balancing love and wisdom and the concept of dropping from your head to your heart. Like, I think, like, I think that we always have to drop to our hearts because our we end up being in our heads when there's a lot of fear running in our running in our lives or in our minds and for you you have a very analytical mind so that's been like used as like something that protects you and and safeguards you and also helps you to navigate from that perspective 
But I think ultimately when we drop into our hearts, like really drop into it, we start to drop those defenses and actually all the mental, the mental capacity, the mental power, what was happening in our head, it starts to be run by fear, uh, not fear, but it starts to be run by like more powerful emotions. So the power of love, the power of joy, the power of, of wisdom that comes in inner peace. And so then you're dropping into your heart, but you're combining it with your spiritual mind. So once we drop out of our, our fear-based possibly intellectual mind it drops into a spiritual mind which is where it's like combining the intellect becomes wise and and combined with understanding how to um, how emotions work how patterns work and how to show up for show up just much more peacefully in our own lives but then to help people however we're being asked to in a given situation to me that's what like the balancing of love and wisdom is so it's not about the head being wrong and the heart being right it's about where in the head are you coming from are you coming from in the head from the spiritual place of protection and navigation and and compensating our behaviors in some way or are we healing that and we're now we're coming from like our spiritual mind our spiritual mind is like open wise and in service combined with the spiritual heart which is love like that's what i believe is this like that that's the alchemy of what's each catalyst in our life is offering us so as you're walking through life as you're looking for those growth opportunities that is the constant fine-tuning of those two combined things Mm -hmm. which allows us to show up as a brighter and brighter and brighter light and i think you've been doing it the whole time you know Mm -hmm. like you've been doing it and of course we all have growth we all have I believe that we come into this life with a plan of certain growth. We come in with a plan, with a, a you know, we're like I believe we like choose the situation that we're born into, whether we want to see it that way when we're in it or not. I think we, at a at a cosmic level, at a soul level, we chose it because it would it was going to allow us to learn this certain section of lessons that would create, when meeting those lessons, would increase that balance of love and wisdom within ourselves. And so I think also, like, it's very interesting to see that the different, that's why I think people, when they master what their particular journey is, they become a voice or a messenger or an embodiment of that particular angle on consciousness. So for you, something was that you were born in a situation where you couldn't relate to the people around you because of the gift that you were given. You were given this, like, amazing, amazing mind that is, like, both, like, that has been turned into spiritual wisdom. And... And it's interesting because a lot of people maybe have been born with that type of mind, but they might have been born from parents that are also very, like, speak at that same level. But you are given a, a, another situation. I, let's call it, I think we all have unique situations, but yours was unique in that it was also used to teach you other lessons because then you're growing up in a situation where you couldn't relate to those around you, adults and otherwise. Mm-hmm. Not perfect. Like, you had people you could relate, and there were some levels of it. Right. And I think, like, for each of us that... We all, if we could just see that we all have this angle that we are trying to master in this life, you know, like that's why you have the setup in your life that you do. That's why you have the challenges in your life that you do. And when we start to see that and we can apply it in that particular way, I think we can learn our lessons faster, mm-hmm. absorb the lesson, balance the love and wisdom, and then put it back into the world through light by helping in whatever way it wants to come and express itself. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think you've been doing it the whole time. And I think like part of the not knowing is an intentional not knowing. We have come here veiled in this forgetting of these things, but mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting way to look at life like, whoa, 
if I consider that I actually chose this setup and chose it because I believed I could learn these certain things and in learning it, it gets to be that I get to be a light in these certain ways and help people in a certain way. It's like all of a sudden it just like increases the momentum of what you're doing. Yeah, you know? yeah it really does. And it stops being about the day-to-day -day stuff, like all yeah. the egoic stuff that tends to crowd our minds or get in the way or like all of the things that we could connect with because that's what's in the world in front of us that we have to deal with or figure out or that kind of thing. But honestly, when you're able to look at it from that perspective and it's a soul perspective and you can view any situation with love from that perspective, um, it does become more powerful, it mm -hmm. becomes bigger, it becomes something greater that, that you're serving. Um, I mean, what power in that, what momentum in that, it becomes exciting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the journey ultimately, I think, culminates in that. That's what it is about, right? Like, but it, you don't know that at 23. <laughs> no, you don't, and you know. And I hear these incredible stories of people accomplishing so much so, mm -hmm. so early on, I'm like, Wow. Okay. Well, but the thing is, again, like we may be hearing a story of, of their certain accomplishment or certain success, but along the way they have their own challenges of their own growth. And it may, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but it's like, I would, like some of it might be that they're learning to deal with like the public spotlight on it. There's a whole nother balancing of what yeah. that is, a whole nother host of lessons that comes with that. Right. I just, it's so interesting. Like if when we really pull back and widen out our lens to kind of see it from like the journey of like soul, like the souls instead of like getting so myopic in our individual experience and, and the comparisons that come from like, you know, the, we're challenged with this. This person's not challenged with that. They have it easier than us, but we've totally eclipsed like whatever their challenge might be and what their comparison might be. Right. And we widen out that lens and it just like helps like it free it's freeing to mm -hmm. me like it's just more liberating to let people have their journey and to have our journeys stay in our own lane and keep doing what we can and keep a mind of service right. going and it's it becomes more interesting in terms of the whole like if you if you can pan out and see bigger pictures in that tapestry you can get to a place of recognizing like okay, maybe that person does have these other gifts, but they have their challenges, and you can mm -hmm. be compassionate to those challenges, too. I think sometimes in that comparison, we get to a place of, like, oh, it's easier for them, and then you, you stop having compassion for that person or yes. stop thinking that, well, maybe other things are hard for them, too. Um, so I think the panning out helps us to better relate to each other. And, and two, if you're approaching everything in service, you can't just assume that everybody is at where they're supposed to be because right. we're all on a journey. So that, I think, being able to have that perspective allows you to be a better service to others. And it stops all the pressure on yourself. Like yes. getting out of that comparison cycle and being like, I should have been here by this time or I should be doing this by this. Like you recognize that's not my journey. And then, right. then it's just okay. It's, yes. it's not a judgment. It's not good or bad. It's just neutral because that's what it is right. in the world is just a neutral space of where you are versus the neutral space of where someone exactly. else is. Exactly, I love that. And it's like so true about every situation being neutral and like the whole reason we were upset about it is because we had assigned a meaning that through comparison that hurt us, mm -hmm. you know? And it's, it's, it's so interesting and I think like realizing the neutrality of situations, realize, that actually draws us back into our own co-creative power because we are constantly creating are definitely creating our emotional experience based on how we're choosing to see a certain situation. Mm -hmm. And if we are able to just kind of like 
have this hard and fast rule like wait situations are neutral let this be a pointer for me to come back and look within myself mm -hmm. and see like where's this projection coming from what in me is acting fearful what in me is acting in some sort of certain way and all of a sudden you it frees people to be who they are but it also points to where your growth what what growth it gives you it sounds weird but it gives you control over your own experience mm -hmm. by taking responsibility mm -hmm. so it's so funny because sometimes you can feel out of control like you feel out of control when you're blaming outwardly but the truth is if you control like if you own that responsibility you can transition that energy you can mm -hmm. shift it and you really can shift things just by choosing to come from another place mm -hmm. by choosing to see and understand the fear and go into an inquiry of saying like man what am i believing about this situation that is keeping it from being neutral if i didn't believe that what would i how would i feel about this right. and that just shifts you can see the connection between thoughts and emotions mm -hmm. just in doing exercises like that and you can re you can you can either there's certain like in the certain paths like if you're trying to go down the self-realization path you will constantly try to come back to the neutrality of it all mm -hmm. sometimes when you're coming down the self-empowerment which is more utilizing manifestation you're reshaping how you want it to be so you're inputting through a, a conscious belief system or affirmations of what you want your experience to be so instead of constantly going to neutrality you might be going i'm going to assert faith and positivity onto it and this is going to occur right. isn't that interesting it is interesting well and i think too like part of it is you get to a space of trusting yourself even more like if we hearken back to when you first started speaking that when you were a kid you held a belief about yourself because someone you trusted, you're a kid, so you yep. don't know anything, but a grown-up knows something, so you trust that person, and what they say is truth, and if that is your truth, you can build so much on top of it. So I think when we get to a place of, no, I'm gonna trust my own inquiry, I'm gonna trust my own, and, and I'm going to trust me more, both from a service and a manifestation perspective, you become that much more powerful because you you become your guide and yes. you trust that guidance. Whereas historically, maybe, well, I, I mean, maybe I think I'm smart because I can figure some stuff out, but that person said I wasn't, so I must not be. You know, <laughs> we just like, give our power away. I know, we just, just like, bye-bye. <laughs> but I, I do think once we can hit neutrality, when we can look at things with love and we can recognize that fear is driving a certain behavior or fear is driving, like, um, you know, one of the things that I find interesting in my adulthood is after I've started to get really peaceful with some of the bigger questions, I'm now manifesting fearful spaces in the dumb day-to-day -day things. <laughs> and this is like things in our 30s and 40s that we just call anxiety, right? Like yeah. I have anxiety about this or I have, and, and you can get so worked up in it. Um, and it, it does take control and it becomes the driver and it, it does put you in places of like comparison. But when when I decide, when I'm running that through my filters and sifting these things through, and I really consciously take control of it and decide that I'm going to look at this, I'm going to provide an inquiry, I'm going to ask the questions about it, it's, it's, it's baseless. Most of the mm -hmm. time it has to do with me not trusting myself mm -hmm. or me believing that somebody else does have it easier. So what can I do to get to that easier space, right, or that easier um, So I think that that constant connection to love and that, that being able to trust yourself and learning that along the way when you can apply those filters and you can look at things through those lenses and you can maintain a neutrality instead of assigning certain judgments to it good or bad whatever it is 
then you grow that trust in yourself even more. And, and it does accelerate your growth because when you are faced with those little things or when fear does seem to sneak in and take over and, and you realize a little later, like, how did I get so anxious about that certain thing? Or where did that pressure come from? Because that doesn't really make sense. And you're able to really sit down and, and stay in that neutral place and trust yourself. It, you grow very quickly. Yes. Um, whereas once those things, I mean, they were a veil. You, I mean, you could stay in them for a very long time and never right. actually grow from them, but just spin your wheels. And them. for so many people, I, 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 my heart goes out because I know so many people are suffering with anxious thoughts or anxiety, mm-hmm. and that feels so normal. They've had, they've been wrapped into that cocoon mm-hmm. for so long that that's a normalized feeling. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, my heart goes out because I'm like, no, like there are other ways, mm-hmm. you know. And so I love that you're sharing this because I think. I think it's so prevalent in our society right now, anxiety, Mm -hmm. anxious thoughts. And you were calling it kind of like going through like the smaller things, right? Like Mm -hmm. we have these big catalytic moments, which we can actually talk about when you're catalytic moments in a moment, in a little, in a moment. (laughs) (laughs) But um, we have like the big catalysts, the Mm -hmm. ones that are like, whoa, and they like really change your life and turn you in a new direction that open you up to this deeper seeing or, you know, turn you towards your soul, towards your heart, towards your spiritual mind. But what I see in the journey is that, you don't have to wait around for those catalysts. Mm-hmm. You can mine your everyday. Mm-hmm. Which my whole book was about mining, mining my everyday experiences mm-hmm. for where could I come from love instead of like what I termed fear, which could run the gamut of mm-hmm. frustration, resentment, guilt, anger, any of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like all of it. Like maybe so many people are feeling anxious or feeling anxiety, and maybe there's not like a catalytic thing, catalytic event that is you could put your finger on. But the point is, is that all those anxious feelings are like, should be mined for how can we heal that? How can we come into a, a more like a sense of safety? Right? Right, right. And I had also heard, I'd heard a spiritual teacher or Bentinho Massaro was working with someone once I was watching when that this woman had a lot of anxiety and she like just felt like almost paralyzed by it. And he was just like, can you like, what if like the, the idea of the thoughts are like, just like tapping on you, tapping on you. Can't you still move with that tapping? Like the point being is like, there is another space for you to, to sit in and to be in knowing that even these tapping things that are like feel all consuming and feel totally absorbed in that you can still move yourself with that, sensation going on does that make sense mm-hmm. and so like there's cre- that in itself is creating a space between you and it right and you know if and if that can allow some that is like maybe giving the space for the first time for someone that is sitting in anxiety to actually create a space to feel a safeness even with it going on mm-hmm. and anyway i just share that in case that is for anyone out there that might be able to apply it mm-hmm. you know and that's the beginning of healing because i think like you said when you're in those anxious thoughts some people live in that space and, and it's not a comfortable space. Like it's not satisfying. Um, you know, so earlier when you were saying, you know, did you ever, was there a place in your journey where you, you didn't want to show up or that you didn't want to, I mean, I, I think that that's where you do experience anxiety because in the places in my journey where I have thought this is too hard or we joke about please no more growth because it's, it's so <laughs> hard to grow. Um, but it, it's, it's not really hard to grow. It's just a matter of showing up and wanting it and doing it and not being satisfied otherwise. But I think anxiety happens when we try very hard not to grow or we're just, we don't know the next move. We don't know the next path. But, but we stay in that space because the fear is at least familiar. Mm. And, and that familiarity is, is a space of, 
and, and that's not an original thought. That got shared with me, um, thankfully. <laughs> I, I just thought it was a real nugget of wisdom when, when you know, somebody looked at me once and was like, oh, yeah, that, that's because that fearful space is like mm -hmm. so comfortable um, that we would choose that rather than the unknown of growth. Oh, um, yeah. And, and so, I mean, fear begets fear and it builds on itself. And, but ultimately, I, I think... I wanted to interject one yeah. little thing on that because one of, the, one of my mentors, one of my, my friend, Warris, who you've met before, mm -hmm. since has passed on, I'd said, if, and he was a, a very advanced soul who had basically like gone, his, his growth journey and the way that we most of experience it, he had already accomplished all of that. And he had said that we don't fear the unknown, we fear leaving the known. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it made me think of that when you were talking about the, the comfort of the fear. I think it is that space. Like, like that fear is familiar. Our anxiety is almost something we hold on to. Um, and I actually, I, I know somebody who very recently, like, was experiencing a lot of anxiety. And so, I, I think two people who are in an anxious space, it's not comfortable. I don't think anybody would want to say, yes, I choose this. Right. And in fact, nobody wants that. I mean, we, we have an entire, like, there are pharmaceuticals to get you out of your anxiety. There, there's methods. There's, I mean, people go to great lengths to try and quiet their anxiety. So I don't think anyone in anxiety would ever say, this is my choice. I want this. It doesn't feel good. But I do think it's so familiar and I do think that it, it's nobody knows maybe not, what is the next step or how to get mm -hmm. out of it or I mean looking for those places but but anxiety doesn't feel good on a conscious level to a conscious choice but I know somebody who had a lot of anxiety about like their worst case scenario right and and all of us probably have that those mm -hmm. secret fears of those things we've always been told is like the worst thing ever um and this person had so many fears about this one thing happening and then it happened mm. um and it was six months of going through it and trying to figure it out and trying to heal from it and trying to grow from it and i i recently interacted again after a few weeks and just knowing this person was mm -hmm. getting to a space of being grumpy and wasn't taking a lot of joy in life and was constantly worried and constantly like and and then it was like a whole new person, like wow. excited and joyful and wow. silly and really just relaxed and taking it easy. Um, and she looked at me and she was like, you know, I just don't feel so anxious anymore. And it, it was like, like almost, I, mean, I, I think there are places in our lives at times where you say, you know, initially we even choose our families because that's the growth we need. I think when we're in that path, there may be times that like we bring these, these situations into our experience because we fear them so much, but on the other side of that is mm -hmm. growth. There's peace, yes. there's freedom. And, and sometimes you, there isn't anything that's going to heal that except going through it to understand it, that you will survive it or that it's not as bad as maybe you thought, or there is a whole different life on the other side at the oh, very yeah. least. Um, and so I, I, I agree. I, I, my heart goes out to people who struggle with anxiety and I have not been without my own anxiety struggles but I've also seen a lot of places where healing occurs in those spaces okay. if we can allow it or if we can connect to it and then get on the other side of it um, it's it's easy to see um, maybe that just wasn't as bad as I thought it was right. but you you do have to get to that space of getting to a different space than the constant tapping because when you're in that constant tapping it's yeah. almost like and 
making a move is scary because at least you know this tapping at least that space yes. that room it's it's and so i don't think anyone would say they consciously choose it but i do think to a degree there are a lot of unconscious choices mm -hmm. being made there and it's it's a struggle because it's constantly making that choice to like there's nothing on the other side of this or I don't know what's on the other mm -hmm. side of this or I don't know how to figure it out but I also don't want it so I also want it to go right. I don't stop tapping on me yes but, um, but that's where you are until you can get yourself to a space of okay well that tapping's happening but I'm going to stay over here for a bit um, I think that's what he was speaking into right I think that can go I mean even on the fearful the speaking of like the worst thing happening then the worst thing happening I think that can happen on even when you're just trying to walk out a dream where you fear failure, fear any of these things happening, it's like if you can just maybe even go in your mind and go through, well, what would it be like if it all, if none of it worked or whatever, whatever, like if you can come to that place is like, I'm still me and I'm still okay, mm -hmm. that is a powerful place to begin, mm -hmm. you know, co-creating from, you know, it's not exactly one-on-one -on -one parallel with anxiety, but I think like the thoughts, the still the big fearful thoughts can take you down that that path and be debilitating and even starting a new adventure mm -hmm. you know no I totally agree and pretty recently I I signed up for your course oh. like your one-on-one coaching yes. course but this was something we talked about too because early on we we were talking about the space that I was in when I first asked for your help was one that was not foreign to me, but I hadn't been there in a very long time. And I thought I healed all these things and I thought I grew past all this stuff. So why am I here again? So not only was I in this like anxious space, but I was also in the space of like, I should not be here. <laughs> I should know better. Yeah. I should be grown beyond all of this. And when we first talked, I think, I think our first session was a lot of just like figuring out what was going on. But I think it was our second session, maybe our third. <laughs> and you looked at me, and we were in Whole Foods one day, and you said, and, and I, I wasn't helping you. <laughs> I, I, was, I was a difficult student um, because I wanted to stay in my place. Like all the holes that you could poke into it or all the things you said, like I was in such a state of almost feeling sorry for myself that I was even in it and I was mad at myself. It was like I was punishing myself. And you said, like, what about you being in service? Like if you stay here, it was almost like you were having to talk me out of choosing to stay in that place, even though that wasn't conscious on my part. And you said, if you stay here, how are you serving others? How can you be of service? And I remember talking to you and being like, I don't want to serve others right now. <laughs> I, I really was in that space of like, I don't want to, but that was the catalyst. Like once you flipped that switch in me and I realized how selfish that sounded and how much like, why would I choose this? And then I'm not serving anybody, right. least of all myself. Um, none of this works for me and from there we were able to really accelerate the path and i mean we we went through the rest of you, of your coaching with ease where i think <laughs> you were very patient and kind with Are me you all, you were always beginning. great <laughs> um but but i do think that there is a lot of value in that perspective that outward perspective someone meeting you with neutrality and love regardless of where you are and being able to say how do we get you back to a place of serving yourself and others? Right. Um, and when you're in those spaces, sometimes it's just difficult to see, but that's the growth journey, right? Like right. that's the path. And and what sucks about that sometimes is when you say, I should be further or I should. And oh, that's the should and the should too. not. It's I such know. a hard judgment on ourselves, right? It is. It's a tough place. Um, so 
thank you, incidentally, for jarring me out of all of that and helping me to heal some of the things I needed to heal there. But the, the path is constant, I think. I agree. And, and we, we do oscillate sometimes between what we know is true for growth and, and then that next thing that grows us even further. And sometimes that's the worst case scenario. Sometimes that's right. that thing that makes you like so anxious at night, but being on the other side of it is peaceful and it's freeing right. and it does open you up to the love and the joy and all of the goodies in life. Right. I used to say that, all the goodies Aww. in life. Um, yeah, there's like, you know, there's a saying life is happening for you, not to you. And when you really, when you really anchor in that, it may not feel good because the things that we feel are happening to us are really when we're coming from that fearful state and we can't see what light can come of it. Always see his darkness that's coming of it. And those that are, you know, sometimes challenges occur that are just, of course, horrific on, on this plane, if you will. But what it teaches the soul or maybe the person that you become on the other side of that catalytic event, that was where it was serving you. And mm -hmm. it sucks because you're, you know, it, it sucks in the sense of like, oh, everything's for my for my highest good, or everything is teaching me. Um, that means that, yes, bad things do happen to good people. But when you come from this perspective of like, it's we're all on this growth journey, we're all on this soul journey, and we're all playing a part in each other. There's like this tapestry that's weaving amongst each other. So it's like, you know, there's different parties in the catalytic event, and it's serving people in different ways. Right. And it does. It does come from like, you know, like a, a more of a, a, a wisdom seeing, you know, mm -hmm. and for those who are open to it, like it can be freeing, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not saying it's going to be a walk in a park to go park to go through the events that occur. But if we allow it to show us what it's trying to show us about the depth of our truth, there can be some beauty, a lot of beauty that comes from that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do think that that's that's the whole journey. It's the things that you said on a day-to-day -day level. Like we can look at those um, and, and analyze those and figure out what is it in me that that's triggering or that's hitting that I feel this space. And then from the bigger bigger stuff, the bigger catalysts that shape us and grow us. But ultimately, if we, if we understand that it is all for our growth, it is all neutral. Um, and, and if we connect to the love and wisdom in any situation, be it the small stuff or the big stuff, we're more likely to accelerate that growth rather oh, yes. than to have to keep repeating the same lesson. Right. And you I, start like, it's like not one before you choose to see that's happening for you. It's like, you're trying to go through all this through with resistance with like mm -hmm. this handbrake pulled. And as soon as you decide, which is your co-creative power to decide and change your mind about how things are going and decide that it's all working in your favor, no matter what it looks like, mm -hmm. like even if it looks like, you know, it's really painful and really hard, you drop the handbrake and you get into this like stream of like, oh, that's how the growth momentum just definitely uh, quantum, like takes a quantum leap, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because I was gonna say this earlier, it's like we can't transform what we do not accept. Mm -hmm. And so if we're just in resistance, we're never even, we just are pushing the lesson away. Like the, the universe or God or your higher self, however you wanna see it, is like knocking on your door saying like, I have a lesson here and you're just totally blocking it with as much resistance as possible or defending your position of pain or whatever it might be. It's just this constant, like not wanting to hear the tapping at the door, you know? And Doesn't that parallel with the tapping we talked oh, about yeah, a minute ago? That, oh, you're right. That is so true. That's mm -hmm. so true. Cause there is a, there is a spiritual growth in that mm -hmm. as well. 
but so you, I think we have to listen yeah. to the tapping. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like, what is it teaching me, and how is it serving me, and how can I grow from this and from that growth? How can I transition that to being a bigger light in the world? And mm -hmm. if that forms in some way of service, mm -hmm. how can that occur? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think at 23, when I Googled what's the meaning of life, the goal <laughs> was to jump past all the actual growth and just get there. But I think what I've come to in the last 20-something years is it's the journey. Like there, there isn't, um, there isn't going to be a Google answer. <laughs> what is the meaning of life? That's awesome. <laughs> and my journey looks different than your journey, than yes. this person's journey, than uh, because it's where we're supposed to be, um, and and those are the challenges I think to where we're supposed to be. And I know, like, I mean, we could either we we could wrap up on that note because that was so beautifully put and so succinct. Um, I know there are definitely lots more of things that we could go into and discuss, but maybe we'll save that for a future episode if that you'll come back and chat with me again. Of course. Um, just like, is there any um, parting wisdom or some sort of thought or inspiration? Well, I'll have two, two questions. You can choose which one you want to answer. Okay. okay. Is there like a mantra that you live by that helps you to stay like kind of like anchored in this path of, of growth and, and, and healing and things like that? Or is there a nugget that you would want to leave with people that has come from your growth? Wow. Um, I'm not sure that I could narrow it down to one thing. I don't know I that, that there is like one thing that would be paramount over all the rest of it other than, um, I mean, maybe this boils down to the note that we left it on. One of my biggest growth journeys, one of my most profound ideas that that really opened me up and one of the things I struggle with the most and that I constantly have to remind myself of is the law of allowance and I think if we can learn allowance and to approach situations with allowance and to approach each other with allowance then perhaps we would set ourselves up better to um, accept our journeys and be able to move in them a little easier. I love allowance. I love that. I think that is gorgeous, beautiful, insightful, so wise. And I think like, just to add a little bit to it, I think that's a, the second tier to our growth journey. I think a lot of times, like when we hit, when we come to something that we see that doesn't work for us anymore, whether it's a religion or a belief, a, you know, a set of beliefs outside of religion or some idea, some maybe even a, a way of living that doesn't work for us anymore first is to grow from it in our own you know like that first growth is like this liberation of like oh my gosh I'm moving away from that well we create a reactive a reaction against the other thing mm -hmm. you know like I had to leave like the corporate world and so I can maybe created a reaction against like that like thinking that the nine to five is an answer or maybe you move from religion because you see it doesn't serve you as well as in the ways that you need to be served. The law of allowance is what creates the secondary learning. And the secondary learning is to not have judgment on the thing that you were previously reacting against. And to keep that free agency for each person to have their journey, to know that it is serving people who, you know, like it's serving those in that journey who resonate with it. Mm -hmm. Whatever it may be, a way of life, a, you know, a religion, whatever it is. And so that law of allowance is really what's gonna take you up the turn of the spiral 
in, in multiple ways, not only in that initial way of just learning your own lesson, but even on the secondary way of like freeing yourself from, from the anger or the judgment that wants to go against the thing that you broke away from. It creates the peace in, in our hearts to, it creates more peace in our hearts, which is higher growth for us, and then releases the judgment on the other thing as well. Perfect. I think it's all those things too. Gorgeous and beautiful and awesome in every way. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much, Phyllis, for coming and being on my podcast and for being a soulmate friend that I've been able to have in my whole life. And I know that we will share so many more memories and hopefully conversations on the podcast together. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. All right. Well, we will wrap it up for this episode. Until mm -hmm. next time. The music on the podcast is a song I fell in love with called We Are the Love We Give by Imaginary Future. It's available everywhere music is sold.